0: Do you feel like you are playing whack-a-mole, constantly putting out fires in your organization? Are others and you clear on the real reason behind most problems? Today, a proven five-step strategy that will help you define problems so it's clear what to do next. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 160. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahofiak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. Welcome back to the ongoing conversation we have here every week on how we can be more effective as a leader for not only our organizations and for the people we work with, but also for our own careers too. And I am really glad you've joined us today because we're going to talk strategy today. And strategy is a topic that is an important one for leaders. And strategy is also sometimes the things that can get us into trouble if we don't approach it in the best possible way and, and one piece of every strategy is thinking through how we are solving problems and are the problems that are on our plate problems that are worth tackling and I'm so glad that I have with me today someone who has done a lot of thinking coaching training facilitating leaders around this and that is Michael Coop Cooper he goes by Coop and Michael is an executive coach trainer and facilitator he is his organization is named innovators and influencers and coop works with right brain entrepreneurs and creative agencies to create the mindset skills and strategies to thrive in a constantly changing environment and he's here today to uh, spend some time with us to talk through just how we're tackling problems and whether a problem is worth tackling and what are some of the underlying issues around problems. Coop, uh, welcome to the show. It's good to get reconnected with you.
1: Dave, thank you so much for having me on. I really look forward to our discussion today.
0: Oh, me too. And Coop and I met—I think we were—we were saying it must have been fourteen or fifteen years ago at a conference in Vegas, and uh, you know we've kept in touch since then. You've done some really cool things uh, since, and we reconnected recently. And I was really excited to see you doing some great work on uh, helping people to define problems. And I think this is really this is really a challenge for a lot of us. I know I struggle with this on a regular basis of just how you know being figuring out how to define problems. And it seems like that's something a lot of us aren't taught to do very much, is it?
1: We're not taught. And the funny thing is, I started doing a lot of research after I learned um, how to define problems myself. I looked at leadership training programs, business um, school programs, management training programs, even, univers- uh, sorry, uh, even corporate university programs. And I found that very few of them um, and I really only know three off the top of my head that actually teach people how to define problems. And that kind of blew my mind because it's such a an important and required part of being a really good employee and manager today.
0: Yeah, and you know, when I think back to my education and even the training I've received and the training I've done, this is not something that comes up a lot as far as how to define problems and to look at whether or not you know, we're handling a problem effectively. Um, maybe we should, we should define this though first, speaking of defining things. Uh, w- when you say defining problems, what do you mean by that? And why is that an important skill set for a manager or leader?
1: Well, so many people spend most of their days either working on the to-do list, um, responding to emails, or doing what someone else has asked them to do. Maybe it's even the their, their responsibilities in their job description. Um, but most of those tasks or deliverables or requests are actually solving a problem. Uh, but most people don't know what problem it's actually solving. And so defining a problem is really getting very, very clear and distilling down as simply as possible which problem you're actually solving. And, and that could mean, you know, most people, they may have a high-level understanding of the problem, uh, but when they actually define it properly, um, they often figure out that, oh, what I was working on, because I didn't really understand the real problem or the source of the problem, I wasn't actually effective in what I was doing. So we find that a lot of people end up wasting a lot of time and resources because the problems aren't defined clearly.
0: Paint a picture for me, Koopa, how this plays out in real life. Uh, what's a time you've worked with a leader or an organization, and that problem didn't come through clearly or wasn't defined clearly, and as a result, that was that ended up being not the way to go, or ended up wasting effort or time and resources.
1: So I learned this uh, process about uh, 10 years ago now, and I can tell you I use it every single day with every client in every organization that I work with. Um, so I can literally give you hundreds of examples, but I'll give you a, a couple um, just because I think your listeners will resonate with these. Um, a recent company I worked with said they had a problem with employee engagement. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard that. Gallup has come out with a a survey that said 75% of employees are disengaged and things like that. So this particular company, I started asking the question. So, and and how you, I'm going to demonstrate here how to define a a problem. We'll go over the process a little bit later and use some others as examples. But um, this particular company with their employee engagement issue I asked the director of HR so why is that a problem? And she said, "Well, because you know, people aren't really highly productive." And I said, "Well, why is that a problem?" "Well, because we have a lot to do. We have big goals for the company and we aren't meeting those goals." Said, "Okay, so why is that a problem?" <laughs> and she said, "Well, a lot of times people are walking on eggshells around here." And I said, "Well, why is that a problem?" But, well, really, they're terrified of the CEO. He's a tyrant. And I thought, oh, bingo, we've actually landed on the real problem here. You're, but most people would say we have an em- employee engagement issue and ignore the real problem of the tyrant being a CEO and everybody's afraid of this particular individual. So they're not really doing what the business needs them to
0: Got it, got it. And I heard you asking a lot of the whys there. And uh, is it similar to the five whys methodology? I know that's used sometimes for problem solving and and lean organizations, or is it something different than that?
1: It is similar. And the only problem I have with the five whys is the number five. Um, Toyota came out with the five whys as part of their Six Sigma um, initiative for process improvement. And a lot of companies have implemented this worldwide, so people may be a little familiar with this. Um, But sometimes you get to the answer in one or two whys. Sometimes it takes 17. And so I think it's a good process that they have. But the way they've framed it as its five whys, um, it may prevent people from actually going deep enough. Mm. Or it may prevent people from actually landing on the real source of the problem.
0: Okay, good. So let's look into the process then and, and take a look at how we should approach it from a leadership standpoint. And then, and I know you mentioned maybe walking through an example of that for people would be helpful as far as being able to frame how to use this effectively.
1: Yeah, it's really a five-step process. Uh, although one of the steps repeats until you get to the source of the problem. So it could be a hundred steps, it could be uh, five or six steps. And you really start, uh, the first step is to describe the situation. And so a lot of people don't want to describe the situation because they think it takes too much time and everybody kind of, quote, unquote, knows what the problem is. But I find that the majority of the time, there's a lot of information in the situation that people don't share, they don't talk about. So it's not, um, it, the, the presenting problem isn't broad enough. And I have a few rules for when you describe the situation. You should say or write a few sentences describing what's actually happening. You should include all the facts, the emotions, the opinions, and the impact of the situation. And you really should try to paint a vivid picture uh, using the words and the facts um, for describing the
0: situation. So it's almost like being a journalist at this step is you're trying to look at the whole story that's out there and look at every party's perspective on it and paint an accurate picture of current reality, if I'm hearing you right.
1: Absolutely. It's a great example.
0: A lot of people don't think to do this. And I think a lot of times, I know just from my own experience from a a leadership standpoint, is I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on things, you know, incorrectly, by the way. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, I know, I kind of know what's going on. I know what people have said about this. I've heard enough. I've seen enough emails, whatever. And okay, now it's time to start fixing things. And I, I think what you're saying here is that's, we should really watch out for that tendency.
1: You should. And the main reason why is, it's really twofold. The first is, it doesn't take a lot of time to define a problem. Uh, most cases, if I'm in a room, even with 10 or 15 people, we can define a big, hairy problem in usually about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, if it's a simpler problem where it doesn't affect the entire organization, it usually takes a couple minutes to define the problem. I, can, I found that recently on my coaching calls with clients or even when I'm um, speaking to groups, we can define a problem, most problems in less than five minutes. So once we describe the situation, the next step, which is step number two, is to draft a problem statement. And it really is a simple fill-in-the-blank statement. The statement is, the problem we're trying to solve is blank. Um, And it should be a really simple, distilled-down version of the situation. Now, the first time you draft this, know that it's probably not going to be the actual problem. The reason we have the next step which is number three which is ask why is that a problem and we do that on repeat is because usually when we try to define a problem in the draft problem statement um, it's still the presenting problem Mm. and so you don't need to get it perfect at all at the beginning Um, it can be really quick it can be really kind of loose and um, as long as you have all the kind of facts distilled down it should be really simple to draft that first problem statement.
0: So you spoke a little bit about the next step up front, which is going through the process of why is that a problem? And that is to, I imagine, intended to get beyond just what the presenting problem is and see if you can, uh, if you really figure out exactly what's going on. And I guess, I guess what I wonder is like, how do you know, how do you know when you get there or that you've actually identified the issue?
1: Um, there's a couple ways to know, but you do have to ask why is that a question um, until you, what's called, I I call it the thud factor. And the thud factor is, at some point, if you keep asking why is that a problem, um, and somebody states what is likely the source problem, it, it actually lands in the room or in the conversation like a thud, and it usually makes everyone pause for a second. The other thing that happens is most people have a somatic response. So if you're, um, let's say your elbow twitches when it's going (laughs) to rain or your intuition, you feel it in a particular part of your body, um, that will actually be triggered when you hit the thud factor or when you actually
0: define the problem. Mm. So almost like when that HR leader said to you, the CEO is a tyrant, that was one of those but hit bottom thud moments, huh?
1: Absolutely. It hit me and it hit her. It's the first time she'd ever said it out loud. Mm. Um, and and she, I, I could even tell she was a little shocked that it came out of her mouth.
0: So we get to the point, hopefully, where we get some clarity on what the real problem is that we're trying to address. And I I love the fourth point because... I think sometimes this is one that a lot of us skip and i know i've made mistakes skipping this too so what's next what's number four
1: so after you ask what's that a problem or why is that a problem and you get to um what you think the source problem is um then you have to really ask yourself okay is this the real problem so even if you've heard the thud even if you've it's gone off in your head you still have to confirm is this the real problem? And you may have to refine the statement a little bit, and so this this requires a little bit of wordsmithing or refining of it um, once you have that and everybody agrees and you could be talking you know you don't have to you don't have to do this with somebody else. you can actually do this on your own so if you think personally that might be the problem, then you ask yourself, is this problem worth solving and some of the problems aren't solvable so to go back to the CEO as a tyrant um. It happened to be a private company. The CEO is a majority stakeholder. That problem wasn't solvable. So I have some suggestions for determining if a problem is worth solving or not.
0: Yeah, that that's great. Let, let's get into this because this is this is the thing when, when I saw this, I was thinking this is really brilliant to challenge us all to think about this because I, it's so easy in a leadership role to play whack-a-mole and to see a problem come up on your desk or in a staff meeting and to immediately go and solve it. And a lot of us have been trained to solve problems. And so we see a problem and we go solve it, and or we try to solve it at least. And of course, what we don't talk about a lot of times is if we're working that, that problem, we may be missing the bigger picture, right?
1: Absolutely, and I see it all the time, particularly with the right brainers and the creative agencies that I work with a lot. Um, Right-brainers are notorious for uh, wanting to, to, to make a difference, wanting to make an impact. And that can often just look at, okay, I'm checking stuff off my to-do list instead of asking yourself, is this problem worth solving or not? Now, the questions that I have, like once you define a problem to ask if it's worth solving or not, um, there's really five questions. The first one is, will it save you time or money? If you solve this problem, will it save you time or money? The second one is, will if you solve this problem, will it make your company more competitive or your department more productive? Third question is, will this solution make your work or life easier in the long run? The fourth question is, does this solution or solving this problem actually align with your company goals?
0: This, this is awesome, Coop. And I'm going to put all five of these in our show notes so people can reference them and those who get the weekly updates will will get these because I think this is just a, a great list to walk through when you get to this point.
1: Now, let's actually use... Let's do an example so that your listeners can really see this in action. Um, the great thing is you don't have to sit through a long training class to be able to do this. It's actually just asking yourself those pretty, pretty specific questions.
0: Okay, great. So let's do it.
1: It's based on your work or your work with clients lately, is there a problem that you feel like is not poorly defined or it would be great for you to know what the real problem is?
0: Sure, I'm I'm thinking of an organization that we worked with, um, it, it's not an organization we currently work with anymore, but worked with in the past and um, I, I think I could probably u- utilize them as an example. I won't say the name or the industry or anything like that, but.
1: So let, even before I have you describe the situation, What's the quote-unquote presenting problem? What do, you, what do you think the problem is, um, even before we try any of the process here?
0: Presenting problem would be decline in revenue. Okay, great. organization was doing well for a long time and then gradually has started to decline.
1: And so a lot of people, this affects a lot of companies. And a lot of times they'll think we have a revenue problem or we. some people might jump to the conclusion we have a sales problem or, or we have an expenses problem because we're expending more of our, our revenues. But if you just those three, they're making lots of assumptions about this problem without really understanding what's going on under the surface, right?
0: And it's funny you say that because the organization that I'm thinking of has been through all three of those iterations of trying to address all three of those things.
1: Yeah. And and it may not be the problem at all. So it's not. uh, (laughs) I'll have you go to step number one, which is describe the problem. So paint a picture, what's happening, what are the facts, um, what's the impact, what are the emotions?
0: Yeah, I, I think the facts would be that the just overall decline in revenue over a period of time and emotions are fear because as a result of that business reality that what was a very growing company is now a shrinking company and that's resulted in people losing their jobs, which is something that happens in many businesses that decline. And so the real fear of layoffs and uncertainty about the future has been a, a real challenge for that organization and that organization's culture.
1: Thank you for that. And so let's try to distill this into a problem statement. You've got declining revenue. There are lots of fear. They're, they went from growing to shrinking. People are losing their jobs. There's fear of layoffs, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So the problem we're trying to solve is what?
0: How do we reach our revenue goal this year or the year last time we worked with them?
1: Okay, so I'm going to just rewrite that to the problem we're trying to solve is we don't know how to reach our revenue goal for the year. And why is that a problem?
0: Well, it's a problem because they're losing influence in their industry and it's a problem for their team because if they don't turn that around, then people are not only fearful of losing their jobs, but also people don't have the confidence in the organization that they once had. And so as a result, some people are actually choosing to leave and to move on to other opportunities. And, and some of those are their more talented people.
1: Perfect. You're doing great, Dave. So we're on step number two. We've asked once, why is that a problem? And your answer was, they're losing influence, and people internally are losing confidence, and some people are choosing to leave because they don't know how to reach their revenue goals for the year. And so now that star performers have left, people are choosing to leave. They're losing confidence internally, and they're losing influence in their industry. Why is that a problem?
0: They won't survive. If they don't, if if they're on, they stay on the certain on this path that they're on. They won't survive.
1: Okay, and they won't survive as a consequence of a problem, right? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so, yeah, good point. So that isn't a problem in and of itself; <laughs> it is a consequence.
1: Well, let's go back to the level above, which is we don't know how to reach our revenue goal, and why is that a problem? We're losing influence, we're losing confidence, we people are choosing to leave, and the star performers have seen the writing on the wall and have already left.
0: Yeah, and that's where
1: we ended up before we got to a consequence. Exactly. Which means that, you know, we have to really reevaluate this. So, losing influence, losing confidence, choosing to leave, and star performers leaving why is that a problem for the organization?
0: They can't do what they want to do without those key people and without the confidence in their organization, that they can affect change.
1: And so the the next layer problem is this company can't reach their goals without the key people feeling confident in their prospects or their possibility, right?
0: Yes, I think that's accurate. Okay.
1: And if they can't reach their goals without the key people really being invested and confident, why is that a problem?
0: I'm, I'm trying to think of it not from a consequence standpoint.
1: It's hard to switch from consequence to a deeper problem. Yeah, it is. Because um, uh, ultimately, so, yeah, because yeah, you know, ultimately... a very the, natural and normal process, of, of process you're going
0: through. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a hard time with that. Um, because ultimately, the, the major consequence is the business shrinking substantially or them just not being a key player in the industry anymore, which is not something they want. And they are concerned about that, very concerned about that. So... I'm trying to move a level up there from thinking, like, what's the problem, though?
1: And so may I make a suggestion? Yeah, please. Problem underneath of key people leaving, and they can't reach their goals because of the key people leaving, is they're losing their competitive advantage.
0: They are indeed.
1: That makes sense?
0: Yep, totally.
1: And so if they're losing their competitive advantage, why is that a problem?
0: They aren't the cool, hip company that they thought they were.
1: Awesome. You just hit the thud. Did you feel it when you said it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did.
1: And hopefully everybody on the call did. You know, I got a somatic response. I got this kind of knot in my stomach when you said that. That this company has been relying on a particular perception, and that perception is no longer valid for them.
0: Yeah, that's... Completely accurate.
1: And so is this a in a product space or a service company? What kind of business is it?
0: It's a products
1: company. Great. And so I would, you know, I know it's a, one of your clients, so it's not you, but then, you know, if we've lost or if we're losing our competitive advantage because we're no longer cool, quote unquote, this to me points that we have to look at their products. Have they really found out who their core customer is and have they built the products that those core customers want uh, and the early adopters, that sort of thing. But do you get how we started with a revenue problem and now we're looking at product design as the real problem?
0: Yep, and that's that's definitely an issue, at least the last time we worked with them as far as some of the things that they were walking through is trying to figure that out.
1: Yeah, and so... Here is, if we state the problem, is the problem we're trying to solve is the problem that is really exacerbating our decline in revenue is that we've lost our cool factor with the market. And so that's a problem that a CEO, when they hear that, they can't ignore it, right? I'm sure they don't ignore that we have a revenue problem either. But sometimes when you talk about a revenue problem, it's such a big, um, hairy beast. We can't really – we don't know what to do when we have a revenue problem. We might try to throw some things on the wall. We might get into a room and and, um, generate lots of ideas of how we can generate more revenue. But if we're trying to generate revenue with the current products that they're producing that really aren't cool anymore –
0: whatever we try to do is not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to hear you say that because it's been, some time has passed since we've worked with this organization um, and they have gone through some of those ancillary type things of things that probably aren't really the core issue, but they've spent a lot of time and resources trying to handle some of the presenting issues and really haven't made a lot of traction as a result of that.
1: Yeah, and this is where organizations really waste a ton of time and money and resources, and they can burn people out on these problems because they don't really understand what the source of the problem really is. That's why it's so important to define problems correctly. Now, I don't—I wasn't looking at the clock, but it took us about 10 minutes to define the problem of this company that we're not even sitting in, right? I know you have a little bit of expertise there. Um, if we were there with them, we'd probably spend, you know, five, five minutes or so really confirming the problem. But one of the real trademarks of a clearly defined problem is that the solution becomes obvious and straightforward
0: and i like that you really look at this from a practical standpoint too of these these five questions of is is this worth solving and i think my my answer to that for this organization would be absolutely yes it's worth solving um but it but it gets to the practical of you know when you get a problem in front of you or on your desk or in your wheelhouse as a leader i mean i don't know anyone who leads in any significant way that doesn't have problems coming their way all the time so it's a, it's a good framework to be able to utilize to make some decisions about what am I going to consciously spend the organization's time and resources and my time and resources on that's going to give us a result, and what are some things that I'm going to consciously set aside and say, you know what, this is a problem, but it's not one right now at least that's worth solving because it's not going to do these things for our organization that are going to provide real results.
1: I totally agree, and I would encourage all your listeners and even you, Dave, to take out your to-do list and pick one or two things on your to-do list that you don't really know if it's worth your time or you don't really know if it's a real problem or not and use this process. Just practice. You know, here's what I think the problem is. Um, Here's the situation. Let's, you know, distill down a problem statement and then ask, why is that a problem, Why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? I think it will really illustrate uh, pretty quickly that you can be really strategic and use critical thinking skills um, to save yourself a lot of time and a lot of effort Um, and to also evaluate whether what you're working on is really worth spending time, energy, and resources on.
0: Coop, I love it. A great perspective for all of us. Like you said, even if we're just looking at our own task our tasks and the things we've assumed we need to do on a daily, weekly basis, but also if we're looking at a broader organizational problem to really figure out what's the problem and is it worth solving and to give us a framework for doing that. So I I so appreciate you doing this. And I I think it may be helpful to just recap these five briefly here because I think I messed up the ordering as we were talking. So I want to make sure that uh, I define it clearly for audience. So first and foremost, number one, you said describe the situation, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. And paint a, really paint a picture with your words so that um, if you're, particularly if you're working with other people, they can see themselves or they can see vividly um, the situation.
0: Secondly, of completing the sentence, the problem we are trying to solve is what's that we're trying to solve, right?
1: Yep. And fill in the blank with the simplest statement possible. Um, distill it down as, as much as possible. But it's a starting point, so it doesn't have to be perfect.
0: Number three, why is that a problem? And you say, this is the part that could repeat, it, you know, it may be the five whys, but it may be four, it may be 12, just depending on when we get to that point where we've we hit the thud, we feel like we've got somewhere, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this could take 20 or 30 whys, depending on where you start and how, particularly if you get caught into, um, I find a lot of people, um, I kind of equate this to the worst case scenario exercise, where a lot of people, if you ask them, what's the worst thing that could happen if you didn't pay your bills? And they would say the next thing that would happen instead of the worst. So same here, when you're asking, why is that a problem? Um, Really reach deep, really actually think about, okay, what's really going on underneath this? Why is this a big problem?
0: Perfect. And number four, I think, is where I maybe skipped ahead a little bit. Which one is number four?
1: Number four is really confirm or determine that this is the problem. And so, you know, a lot of times you may think, especially if you're doing this on your own, you think, oh, I think I, think I actually know what the real problem is. Talk to somebody else. Or... Um, really ask yourself, is this the real problem?
0: Perfect. And then the fifth step is determining if the problem is worth solving, right?
1: Yes. Ask yourself, will it save us time and money? Will it address a customer complaint? Uh, will it make my life easier? Does it meet the company goals? Things like that.
0: Coop, this is great stuff. What's the best way for folks to connect with you if they want to learn more and just kind of uh, get more in tune with your strategy and the things you're offering to people?
1: And so the best way to get in touch with me is my website, which is innovatorsandinfluencers.com. I also teach uh, the problem definition technique as a two-hour workshop. I can go into companies and teach that, but I'll also be offering it later this year online as a a simple class that people can sign up for. Um, I also wanted Dave, I wanted to give you a quote that really highlights the importance of defining problems, and it's by Albert Einstein. And that is, if I were given an hour to save the world, I would spend 59 minutes finding the problem and one minute solving it.
0: I love it. I love it. That's great, Coop. Hey, I so appreciate all of the resources you've brought here walking us through the five-step model. All of this is going to be in the show notes, and we'll go out to the weekly update for folks. Um, And I, I hope folks check out your information online too, because there's there's so much here of thinking through a strategy standpoint of how to solve problems. That's really valuable. So thank you so much for taking the time to bring it to us. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope it's really helpful for people. And I hope they really start asking the question, are we solving the right problems or not? Or which problem are we solving?
0: Michael Coop Cooper is an executive coach, trainer, and facilitator and he is with the organization Innovators and Influencers. Coop, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. So obviously a lot you could do with this on practical action, but my advice is right along with Coop's is let's make this as practical as possible for everyone who's listening to this immediately and pick that one or two things on your to-do list currently And use this practice and process it using these five steps and see where you go. And that is something all of us can do. And it also is a good place to start because it gets us comfortable with the process, gets us understanding these five steps we can go through, and gives us something immediately that we can start to define more effectively. So I would absolutely encourage you to do that. And as you do so, and you define problems, go ahead and join the conversation on the show notes for the website. I would love to hear your input on what has become more clear or what you've learned as, as a result of going through this process. And you can do that at Leaders. .com slash 160. And as always, I really welcome comments, questions, or feedback for this show or any future shows. And in particular, the Q&A show that's coming up next week for episode 161. The focus area for next week's Q&A show is on difficult conversations. But the as always, questions are welcome on any topic related to the show. So if you have a question, now's the time to get it in. We're actually going to probably record a little bit early this coming week. So uh, if you're listening to this, especially early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, definitely get your question in. Coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the way to do that. So, your question can be considered for the show, and already have a couple. And I know it's going to be a great conversation, as always. And Bonnie will be back, of course. So, uh, a final thought this week is just to say a huge thank you to all of you subscribed to the weekly update. When the last week and a half or so, I was uh, on travel a little bit and uh, missed some of the names last week. So there's a whole slew of folks this week. So a big special thank you to Steve Ko, Jia Zhao, Raju Koshar, Frank Blaylard, Sherry Hufford, Veronica Brand, Jose Geralt, Tim Weffler, Kristen Kanan, Manjul Saxena, Leticia Rosa, Pat Davis, Dana Shahar, Nir Lerner, hey Nir, Mark Crouch, David Mora, Tatiana Richard, Carrie Martin, Mustafa Hussein, Piet Swatelli, Peter Simmons, Dan Twig, Sean Moore, John Dawson, Douglas Carey, Kay Colombe, Aviz Robinette, hope I said that right, Carlos Agradano, Andrew Mugford, Peter Brown, Chuck Marks, Danny Al and last but not least, Lolo Mason. Thank you to all of you and know that I love you all equally, regardless of the pronunciation that I gave to your names. But thank you so much for joining the weekly update. And if you're just been listening to the show recently, or maybe this is your first episode listening, I do publish a weekly update every Wednesday. It includes the show notes for every single podcast I air on Monday. So it'll include the five steps that Coop went over in this episode and my notes on that, so you always get that in your email box, plus there's an additional article from me each week on something that'll help you to become a more effective leader. And in addition to that, if that's not enough, you get the my guide to the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including the two books that I rely on weekly. So if you'd like to be a part of all of that, just go to Coaching for Leaders, .com slash subscribe, and that is the best way to get involved with the weekly update coming out every Wednesday. Hey, also, this week, a huge thank you to two of you who took the time to write a written review on iTunes. Thank you so much to the person with the uh, username uh, BrassBlower, and also Brian Reese. Thank you so much to both of you for the very kind words. On the iTunes review. And also thank you for mentioning that you've uh, recommended and referred the show to others. It is such a wonderful compliment every single week when I read emails from folks in the community who say, "Uh, the show's been helpful and I've passed it along to a colleague or my team or a friend who I knew would benefit from this. If you've ever done that, thank you. I am so grateful and thank you for helping grow this community. And we'll be back next week for the Q&A show. Have a great week.